You are listening to Melbourne Lights Church Weekly Podcast. How are you guys doing this morning? How's everyone else doing this morning? You guys awake? Long weekend vibes? Nah, it's fun. It's good to see your lovely faces. Welcome. Um, I mean, you, I love worshiping Jesus every Sunday. Um, you know, Easter is just, it's another Sunday. But I do think it, there's, a, there's something special about remembering and celebrating. And the, the, the thing that we're joining with the church worldwide to celebrate Jesus. We're joining with millions, actually billions of people around the world today. And we get to start it off. We're sort of the start of the day. Um, and so, the, I don't know, to, to me there's just, there's a weightiness to that. And I, you know, I think how when, we, when we're singing about the, how glorious he is, how holy he is, how can we stay silent? How can we not be moved? How can we not be undone in his presence? So happy Easter, happy Resurrection Sunday. Welcome to Melbourne Life Church. If this is your first time, um, my wife Elodie and I get to the privilege of leading the team here. Um, we don't lead the church, but we lead the team that leads this church. And we, we love our church, but we, you know what? It's not about the church. It's about Jesus. I think it's a good church, but it's not church-focused. We're Jesus-focused. Um, and you might be here today because somebody's invited you. You might be here today because it's the right thing to do on Easter Sunday. Um, you might be here because family or friends have, have invited you along. Or you, maybe you're just checking out what is this all about. Um, whatever the reason that you're here today, whether this is your church home or it's your first time, this weekend is about celebrating the fact that Jesus Christ endured death on a cross, that he suffered for us, that he paid the price for our sin, for the wrong things that we've done in our life, and he rose again in power so that we can have relationship with God. That's the good news of the gospel. The cross and the resurrection are the two most powerful moments in history, and they can't be separated. In the book of Philippians, chapter 3, verse 8 to 10, if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me, otherwise the scripture is going to come up on the screens here. It says this, Philippians 3 from verse 8, Paul says, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. There's no greater privilege, there's no greater joy than knowing Jesus. Not just knowing about him, not just coming to church, but having a relationship with him, knowing Jesus Christ. You and I were created. The purpose you were, you were created was for a relationship with God, to know him. We don't live just in a natural world. The great lie of the Western world is that the only reality is what you can see in front of you. I just got back from a two weeks of ministering in Indonesia. We had an amazing time. It's always great to go. But, but one of the things you realize when you step out of, uh, you know, you go beyond our shores and you go into Asia or into Africa or into most of the rest of the world is that they're very aware of the spiritual reality around us. 
There's no question in much of the world, much of the population of the world's mind, that the spiritual realm is real. Many of us, and maybe even some of you this morning, might be going, oh, I don't know about that. I want to tell you that the spiritual realm is real. We are spiritual, and the purpose of us being alive is to know Jesus and to live live in relationship with our Creator. See, every, I think every one of us has this moment, if you're honest with yourself, where we thought there has to be more. If you're honest, at some point in your life, I think we've all had this, this thought of, there has to be something more. Why am I here? What's my purpose? There's got to be something more than just getting older, making money, Hopefully, you know, finding a partner or having kids or buying a house or whatever the things that culture tells us are the markers of life and just getting older and then one day dying and that's it. There's got to be something more to life. And we try and fill up and silence that question. We try and suppress that niggling, that thought by filling our lives with other things. And we, we, we try and silence it with noise and with stuff and with possessions. And we try and find purpose in our relationships or our jobs or our families or our good deeds or our serving even. We get busy. And all those things can be great. I'm not saying that jobs are bad or families bad. All those things are good and serving. And, uh, but ultimately, they don't answer the question, what's my purpose? What am I here for? The Apostle Paul knew the answer to that question. That's why he writes this, that I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. He's basically saying this, everything else added together comes to nothing in comparison to knowing Jesus. Everything else of life added together still equates to nothing compared to to the joy and the fulfillment and the purpose and, uh, and the passion of knowing Christ Jesus our Lord. In, in Genesis chapter 1 verse 27, it says that God created us in his image to have relationship with him. The purpose that you and I are here, and this might be the first time you've heard this, but the purpose you are here is not to make as much money as you can, to buy as much property as you can, to even be a good person. The, pers- the, the purpose that, uh, that you're placed on this planet for is to have relationship with Creator God, to know Him and to tell others about Him. Some of you guys might have seen this um, illustration before. It's a little bit hard with a mic, but I'm going to try and do this. Say this is God and this is us. The purpose of our creation is to have relationship with him. We're designed to be close to him. But because of sin, because of the wrong things in the world, because of uh, when sin came in, in Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Sin messed up that relationship. That relationship. It's like a barrier. Now, a Bible is not the best thing to use as a barrier because um, it's God's revelation of, of himself, but I'm still going to use it. And it came in, and it became a block between us. And no matter how much we tried, we were separated from relationship with God. We can never totally find peace and purpose in that place of separation because there's something between us. So there's nothing that we can do, no matter how hard we try, to remove that barrier. 
No matter how many good deeds, no matter how much money you give, no matter how much time you spend serving the poor, no matter how much uh, you, you, know, you meditate or pray, there's nothing you can do in your own strength to remove the barrier of sin. But this weekend, the reason we celebrate is because that barrier has been removed. In John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. In 1 Peter 2, verse 24, it says, He himself, talking about Jesus, bore our sins in his body on the tree or on the cross that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds we have been healed. Jesus, God become man, came and removed the barrier of sin. On the cross, he took upon himself all of our sin, and he paid the price that our sin deserved. He took that barrier, that separation, so we can be restored to relationship with God, to the reason that we were created. And we deserve separation from God. To be honest, we've all sinned. And what we deserve is brokenness and separation and ultimately death. But Jesus paid the price for us. There's no question in my mind that the cross is the greatest expression of God's love for us. For God so loved the world that he gave. Who here this morning is in a relationship of some sort? Who here, I mean, even if you're not in a like husband-wife relationship or a boyfriend-girlfriend relationship, you have relationships. You have parents or kids or people that you have relationship with. Well, if I was to ask you, what do you think the best thing that somebody could do for you in a relationship to express their love for you is? You might have a lot of different ideas. You might say making me breakfast or buying me flowers or doing kind things or telling you how special you are or, you know, prioritizing what you want to do. Don't look at your husband or wife right now. Don't look at the person next to you. Like, yeah, yeah, we could have done breakfast this morning. Maybe it's giving up what they want so you can have what you want. That kind of is a selfish look at it, but, you know, that's kind of what most of us think. Maybe if you were sick, giving up an organ, part of who they are so that you could live. I had a friend at school, and uh, she had to have um, kidney transplants, and one of her siblings gave up a kidney so that she could have a functioning kidney. That's a pretty amazing sacrifice to show love. I think the ultimate act of love, though, is actually to give up your life for somebody else. Yeah, you hear about a father or a mother jumping in front of a car to take the impact to save their child. You think, wow, there's no greater act of love than that. Jesus himself said in John 15, 13, no greater love has won than this, that someone would lay down his life for his friends. And that's the very thing that Jesus did for us. He laid down his life in the most brutal of fashions so that we could have relationship with God, that we could have wholeness, that we could have healing, that we could have meaning and purpose and ultimately have eternal life, that we would be made spiritually Alive. The cross 
which was once a symbol of torture and of terror, has now become the symbol of love and redemption. I mean, what a juxtaposition that, that the very thing that the Romans used to terrorize the world at that time has become the thing that is the symbol for much, much of the world of love and of redemption. The brutality of Jesus' death on the cross, the agony he endured, is juxtaposed with the love that he shows in taking upon himself what we deserve. But it doesn't even stop there. If all we had was the cross, then we wouldn't be celebrating today. The cross became a symbol of love and redemption because of the power of the resurrection. If all we had was the cross and Jesus went even with great intentions and he died but he never rose again, we wouldn't be celebrating today. When we take communion, we're not just proclaiming Jesus' death, but also the power of his resurrection. See, we celebrate this weekend because Jesus didn't just die on the cross. We celebrate because he rose again three days later. In doing so, he conquered the power of sin and death, and he destroyed the barrier between us and God. He made a way for us as broken, sinful, fallen to be restored to relationship with the perfect creator. Paul says, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord and the power of his resurrection. Bless you. You see, no no other religion in the world has a resurrection. He said, I count everything as lost. All the other stuff in my life accounts to nothing compared to knowing Jesus and the power of his resurrection. No other religion has a resurrection. It's the crowning miracle of God. The standard of God's power in the New Testament is the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. If you look at the Old Testament, the standard of God's power was the deliverance of his people, uh, the people of Israel through the Red Sea, and then he eventually brings them into the promised land. It's like this picture of his power. In the Old Testament, the miracle is the raising of a dead nation because they were in captivity in Egypt, and Egypt in the Old Testament is a type or a picture um, of the world. They were in captivity, and he brings them out of that place. They were under the dominion of Pharaoh, which is a type or a picture of the devil. Then God sets them free. And the Bible says this, The Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty or a strong hand and an outstretched arm. In Deuteronomy 26, verse 8. All the way from Moses to Malachi in the Old Testament, there's a constant referring to this phrase, Look what the Lord did when he delivered Israel. He delivered them. He brought them out of captivity. He broke their chains. He led them by his own hand and by the power of his own arm. Then we come to the New Testament, the New Covenant. And in the New Testament, the standard of God's power is the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It's God's standard of power because it wasn't just about resurrecting Jesus from the dead. Hear this this morning. It was about resurrecting all who would believe in him. Why is it the defining point? Because it wasn't just about Jesus. It was about you and I. It was about the resurrection power for all that would believe in Jesus, that we would be made alive. Because of the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, there's resurrection for us from the dead. Ephesians 2 verse 5 says, But God, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sin, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him. He's saying that we were dead, 
But in the same miracle power that raised Jesus from the dead is the power that raises us from the dead. The power of the resurrection is not just about Jesus. It's about you and I being raised from spiritual death to spiritual life through Jesus Christ. Romans 6 verse, four to, uh, verse 3 and 4 says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? That sounds weird if you don't understand this picture that we're talking about and what we're celebrating today. Verse 4 says, We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. There's a spiritual transaction that takes place. That's why we, we, we celebrate baptism in water. Because as we go under, we are being buried with Christ. And as we come up, we rise again like, like he did in his resurrection, in the resurrection power. Ephesians 1 verse 19 to 20 says, What is the immeasurable or exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. It says, this is why Paul says this. I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, and the power of his resurrection. This is why without the resurrection, the cross has no meaning. The Apostle Paul wrote 14 books in the New Testament. If you count Hebrews as one of his, that's slightly contentious, but doesn't really matter for the sake of this morning. Let's say he did. Um, he wrote more books than all of the other writers of the New Testament combined. And he builds all of his books like an upside-down pyramid. Putting Hebrews at the top of the pyramid like this, he turns them all over and he balances them on this really fine point. All of his writing is balanced on this point, saying this, with all I've given you about the mercy of God and the majesty of God and the grace of God and the future, all of this is balanced on one thing, the resurrection. All of the writings of Paul are balanced on the truth and the power of the resurrection. If there's no resurrection, then we're through. If there's no resurrection, we're still in our sins and we're separate from God. If there's no resurrection, we're spiritually dead. If there's no resurrection, the cross has no meaning. You might be here today thinking, I need the love of God in my life. I'm feeling broken. I'm feeling lost. I'm hurting. I need to experience the love of God. Maybe you've tried to push down, suppress that feeling of brokenness and hurt. We try in different ways. We throw ourselves into our work. We medicate ourselves with drugs and alcohol. We fill our time with all sorts of other things. Good things even at times. We throw ourselves into sport and into our kids and they become all consuming. But none of it fills the hole. You need the love of God. Maybe you're here thinking, I actually need the resurrection power of God. Maybe you're sick. Maybe you're facing an impossible situation. Maybe you're having family issues. Maybe you're spiritually dead this morning in your sin. And you need the kind of breakthrough in your life that can only come through supernatural intervention. 
See, there's something that happens when we get to the point of our lives where we go, I can't do this myself. I think it's when, when there's a humility in that, there's a, there's a beautiful place of surrender to the King of kings and Lord of lords. As long as we think, I can do it myself, I can fill that hole myself, I can find purpose myself, I can live for myself, there's a pride in our heart that stops us from coming fully to him. I feel like there's some here this morning, that might be you, that you need some, some, some area of your life needs resurrecting today. Maybe you need both. Maybe you need the love of God and the resurrection power of God. I think all of us can be filled afresh with the love of God. Even if you're walking in relationship with him, all of us need to have a fresh revelation of the resurrection power of God in our life. The good news is this this morning. The good news is that the resurrection isn't just a theology. It's not just an idea. The resurrection is a person. The good news is the love of God isn't just a nice feeling. The love of God finds its expression in a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask that the music team would come up again as we finish this morning. John 11 verse 25 says this. Jesus said to her, I am, listen to this. Jesus says, his words, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Jesus' own words says that the resurrection is not just a theology or an idea. It's a person, and it's Jesus Christ himself. I am the resurrection and the life. 1 John 4, verse 8 and 9 says, Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. Jesus is the resurrection, and Jesus is the love of God. The cross and the resurrections are not just images for an Easter weekend. The love and the power of God are not just feelings. It's not just goosebumps. They're the person, and that person is the person of Jesus. And Jesus is saying to you and to I today, will you follow me? Jesus wants relationship with you. That's why he came. That's why he endured the cross. That's why he was broken. Because above his own well-being, he wanted relationship with you and I. He wanted to restore us to the Father. When he died, the Bible says that the curtain in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. In the Old Testament, the presence of God dwelt in a place, in the temple. And there was a curtain that separated the very presence of God from the rest of humanity. Because he is so holy, he's so righteous, that if somebody entered that place of his presence without a sacrifice being made, that the sin in their life, even as a good person, when it encountered the holiness of God, they would just drop dead. But when Jesus died, 
It says the, temp- the curtain in the temple was torn from top to bottom. Not bottom to top, top to bottom. Why? Because the place where his presence dwelt was open. Because he wants relationship with us. Because he wants to presence himself with you and I. The temple is no longer a place built with stones by the the hands of men. You and I are the temple of God. His very presence, the spirit of God can come and dwell in us. Whatever you're facing today, wherever you're at, whether you need the love of God or the power of God or both, it's through him that we're made spiritually alive. It's through him that we find purpose and meaning. It's in him, in Jesus, that the love of power and the love of God and the power of God are extended to us. It's in Jesus alone. That's why we celebrate. That's why for millions, if not billions, of people around the world today, the gathering to celebrate say thank you, to remember, to encounter him. I want to ask, would you turn to Jesus today? Would you turn to him today? He passionately loves you and he wants to have relationship with you. He wants you to know the love and purpose and peace that he has for you. He wants to know the, the, the fullness. He wants to fill that place in your life that you've tried to fill with other things, that you've tried to squish down, you've tried to silence with busyness. He wants to come and fill that place. He wants to make you spiritually alive through the power of his resurrection. And I want to say this morning, sir, ma'am, you're not here by accident. You're not here by accident. You're here because Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. I want to have relationship with you. Come to me. I want to fill you with my presence. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Would you close your eyes? It's not more holy to close your eyes or bow your heads. It just keeps us from being distracted. I believe every time we gather, God wants to speak to us, and there's a response of our heart. There's, a, there's transactions that take place. If you've never turned to Jesus, if you've never made him the Lord of your life, and it might be a vulnerable thing this morning because you might feel like, you know what, I feel like I'm at the end. I actually felt this morning as we were praying before the meeting that there might be somebody here and you, you've actually felt like, I, I despair even of life itself. Jesus loves you. If you've never made him the Lord of your life and experienced the power of his love, today is the day. Or if you've known about Jesus, that you've turned your back, you've walked away. Maybe you even grew up in church, you did the church thing. But if you're honest with yourself right now, he's not the Lord of your life. He's just an idea out there. You know you're not living in a relationship with him. Today is the day to come back. 
Would you humble yourself? Turn to him. Come home. Come home. If you're in either of those places and you want to turn to Jesus this morning, I want to ask, just while our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, would you lift your hand up really high? Because I would like to pray with you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Is there anyone else? Just take a moment. Whether it's for the first time or you're coming back to him. It's amazing. You can put your hand down. Is there anyone else? Thank you, Lord. Here the Bible says that when one person, when even one person decides to make Jesus Lord of the life, that all of heaven celebrates. All of heaven celebrates. Today, heaven's throwing a party. Today, heaven's throwing a party. Today around the globe, what a party day for heaven. I, I can just imagine heaven. Sorry, I'm like preaching now again when I said close your eyes. You can just imagine heaven though as like Easter weekend approaches and like, you know, the gospel goes out and people respond and like, you know, hundreds of thousands give their life to Jesus. And heaven, I just, I, I just think, like, I don't think they have to prepare. But I think in the lead up, they're like, we're going to have a party weekend. Because lots of people are going to get saved. Lots of people are going to come to Jesus. It's going to be a party. Sorry, back to, close our eyes. Even if, um, even if Jesus is already the Lord of, uh, Lord of your life, he wants you to experience and to know his love and power this morning. I believe he wants to minister to some people this morning and to, to release his love, to release his power. Because like I said at the start, we don't gather on this, this weekend just to go through religious motions. We gather to meet with him. We're going to finish with a song this morning. And as we sing, it's time to respond. I'll pray for us at the end, but you don't need me to pray for you. You need to encounter Jesus. As we sing, would you respond to him? And simply say, Lord, I need your love. Lord, I need your power. Lord, would you fill me again? Can we stand together? You can respond to him as we sing this song. I'm going to stand up at the end and pray for us. But let God minister to you right now. Let him fill your heart. Lord, we thank you for your presence. And as we worship right now, we respond to you in Jesus' name. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If you have any questions or would like more information, please contact us at melbournelightschurch.com.au.